Welcome to Artful Conversations, a podcast about arts and cultural management. I'm Anisha Latham. And I'm Katrina Ingram. We interview leaders who help shape the world of arts and culture, sharing their stories, insights, and observations. Welcome to Artful Conversations. I'm your host, Katrina Ingram. Today, my guest is Johan Zietzman, President and CEO of Arts Commons in Calgary. Johan was born in South Africa. After serving in the military, he graduated as an architect, then moved to New York, where he completed a master's degree in music. Returning to South Africa in 1982, Johan started a 20-year career in many executive arts management positions. During this time, he was actively involved in the political transformation of his homeland through pioneering work in the arts, resulting in recognition from Nelson Mandela's government. Johan has served as the executive director of the International Society for the Performing Arts in New York before becoming director of the Mesa Department of Arts and Culture and executive director for the Mesa Arts Center in Arizona. He moved to Calgary in 2009 to become the president and CEO of Arts Commons. Welcome, Johan. Thank you. Johan, you have a fascinating international career in the arts. I'm really interested to know why the arts in Calgary? What drew you to lead this particular organization in this city? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much in Calgary that draws people here, uh, and for, in my case, it, it, um, it you know quite simply has to be that sort of infectious can-do attitude. And I know it's a cliche, but uh, it really is a reality for me uh, and the people. And so when um, when the board uh, approached me when I was in Mesa, Arizona, to come here, uh, uh, honestly, I said no. Uh, the first time, and I said, no, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying what I'm doing, and, and, and I want to keep doing that for a while longer. And they said, well, why don't you just visit the city and have a, have a look around? And, uh, well, that changed uh, my, my mind and also my wife. We came and spent a weekend here and met so many wonderful, engaging, uh, forward-moving people. Uh, and there was an energy and uh, an authenticity and a friendliness that we just immediately uh, felt home at home here. And I guess it also definitely played into our long-term desire at some point to be Canadian citizens, which we now are. Wonderful. Well, the people are warm. The climate may be a little cold, but the people are warm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, uh, we've gotten used to the climate. Uh, I, I, I mean, I loved Mesa, but I preferred this winter to that summer. Yeah, I bet. Now, tell us a bit more about Arts Commons. What's your mission as an organization, and how do you go about advancing your goals? Our mission is very, very simple. It's to bring the arts to life. And uh, what we mean by that beyond the obvious meaning is uh, break down the barriers that over time have come to exist between community and folks on the streets' lives and the arts. And uh, to a certain degree, the arts in the past have been uh, building those barriers by sort of thriving on the sense of exclusivity. Uh, I have learned uh, that that's a barrier that we must uh, break down and and uh, and connect with life, everyday life. Um, I do not believe the arts is separate from life; that it's above life; that it's an option. We all participate in the arts in many, many ways every single day of our lives, and we we are also creative beings. Uh, whether we consider ourselves such or not, most of us make creative decisions every single day. And so for me and for us at Arts Commons, it's about breaking down 
the distance between the arts and everyday life and understanding that that life is the arts and arts is life and we go about that by by just talking a lot about that by doing our programs in a way that's not uh that doesn't feel exclusive we um we really break down the sort of social barriers that may have existed between certain arts experiences so that people might uh, associate with that uh, and really open our doors to all kinds of communities and members and communities and all kinds of diversities in ways that might not be traditionally uh, the norm. And so that's how we, on a day-to-day basis, break down those barriers and make sure that folks really feel that their lives and the arts are connected naturally and organically every day. And that's a really interesting perspective, and I I definitely want to dig into that. But I want to talk a bit about where you're situated, because I think you're situated in a great place to break down those barriers. And the building that houses Arts Commons itself has a long history that dates back to the early 1900s. Can you briefly touch on how the building itself, which occupies an entire city block in downtown Calgary on prime real estate, came to be a place that focused on the arts and is now one of the largest arts incubators in Canada? I think you're absolutely right that where we are as part of uh, the journey and part of uh, uh, something that sparks our ability to uh, to really make it part of life, we are in the heart of downtown. We have thousands upon thousands of people just walk walking by the building, but also through the building. We have a plus 15 corridor right through the building, in one side, out the other side. And so uniquely, uh, compared to just about any other art center I've been to in, in, in the rest of the world, we have folks who walk into and through this building who don't have a ticket, who are not here to come and see a show, but for whom this is just a part of their city and their journey every day. And that is truly spectacular. And this came to be in the in the late 70s, early 80s, there were a number of communities that wanted to build a space to house uh, f- uh, significant arts organizations. At that time, the Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra and Theatre Calgary needed a home and decided that they could build one together. Over time, the Alberta Theatre Projects became part of that. So three theaters were built in the early 80s, uh, and we opened in 85 with three theaters to house those three resident companies. And... Um, Ironically or sadly, one of the three founding ladies uh, that was part of um, driving this project, uh, Vera Swanson, passed away last week, uh, three days before her 102nd birthday. These were she and Martha Cohn, who also passed away a few years ago, and Sandra LeBlanc were really the three driving community forces to get the space built to where it is today. And their vision outlasted um, what they could have dreamed. Uh, it is now a place that is so busy. We do about 1,800 events a year. 600,000 people pass through our doors every year. We have an economic impact annually of more than 87 million every single year. It's a really, really busy, economically diverse and busy uh, place. So great vision of really great community leaders in a city that was receptive for that. And uh, their dream lives on and just grows every day. It's interesting that three remarkable women were behind making Arts Commons what it is today. Absolutely. And the, the work that you've outlined, it just seems so vast in scope. Now, many arts organizations, they tend to specialize in one particular area. How do you manage so much within one organization? 
Well, I think it's part of the what we call the residency model. Obviously, we don't manage the orchestra. We don't manage Theatre Calgary. We have six resident companies that live and make their work within our space, so including including uh, in the six uh, uh, with the Orchestra Theatre Calgary and Alberta Theatre Projects. It's also one Yellow Rabbits, uh, the Calgary International Children's Festival and Downstage, and then, of course, our own Arts Commons Presents work. So we have a number of teams that firstly uh, curate the content, uh, and then my team, the Arts Commons team, are also wearing the hat of landlord, so we have to make sure that this 560-square-foot building uh, is always in pristine condition, is clean, is functioning, is technologically as state-of-the-art as possible. That's our job as landlord. And then we also, as I said, convene. Uh, we bring a lot of people together into this building that don't necessarily come to support the work of any one of those arts organizations I mentioned that might come in here just to celebrate a community event, maybe celebrate Chinese New Year or Day of the Dead. Uh, so we really reach out to the community to make sure they feel this is also a gathering space for community gatherings and celebrations and events. So all of those things together uh, keep us very busy. <laughs> and uh, I think how we do it is just through incredible partners, beautiful people that work for us and, and, and with us. Uh, we have a lot of uh, incredibly talented staff who have been here for a long, long, long time. Uh, and then, of course, support from public institutions like the city the, and, and the government and the public itself and corpor- uh, corporations in Calgary. So many entities go into supporting this incredible organization that, uh, in the end, I guess it's not that hard to manage if you have all that support. It sounds like a great collaborative process. And you mentioned mm-hmm. some of the, the many programs that you offer at Arts Commons. I know one that I was reading about is Happenings, which is a free event that's planned quarterly. It started in 2015. And what's really unique about this program is its purpose to serve participating artists and serve the public interest. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what sparked the idea to host Happenings and how have you continued to build on the success of this event? Well, uh, as I said earlier, we, we really work on, on uh, uh, reaching all the communities in Calgary, not, not just some. Uh, and so the diversification of our programming and, and the lowering of the sort of access threshold is just part of making this place more open for more people. And part of that is happening. So when we rebranded uh, from uh, our previous name, of course, Center for the Performing Arts, uh, to Arts Commons, one of the pieces we wanted to sell, uh, to signal was that it really is open uh, for everybody and all arts forms are uh, celebrated as well. And so Happenings became the space where uh, basically with social media, uh, we get hundreds of folks showing up and they have three, four hours of great fun in very different spaces. I mean, we, we, our recent happening uh, happened in our parkade in the basement. Uh, so we removed all the cars and we had, I don't know, 20, 30 artists doing incredibly interesting things down there and hundreds of people just milling around all the way through the building enjoying this experience for free. But it was a cultural gathering. And so uh, Happenings has become uh, from a branding uh, exercise to uh, to a thing we do on a regular basis. And so Happenings 12 is coming up. So it's just become a, a, a place where we are able to gather folks who might not buy a, a ticket to a formal show. And it's really trying to cater for what I call um, cultural omnivores, uh, folks who are not necessarily uh, interested only in one art form, but are interested in 
testing and tasting and trying out all kinds of other art forms and happenings offers them that sort of casual shopping around opportunity between a, a whole lot of different arts experiences in one building. I love that you're hosting a cultural event in a parkade because I, I'm pretty sure that's not done very regularly, maybe never done before. Um, and I definitely, <laughs> I want to talk about the rebranding as well. But before we get onto that topic, I have to ask you, with an organization the size of yours, what does the staffing situation look like to coordinate all these different programs and to run the facility? Well, uh, you know, as I said earlier, we have unbelievable staff. I'm surrounded by very smart, very passionate uh, folks uh, who really care deeply about their community and about this organization and the relationship between the two. Um, We have a full-time staff of 60 uh, and part-timers of about 200 folks who would come in and out uh, depending on the events we have. And then, of course, every resident company, the Orchestra Theatre Calgary and so on, have their own staff. And so... At any one time, there would be two to three hundred full-time people in the building uh, working here uh, every day, and uh, and then another uh, few hundred when we have specific events and we draw on our part-time team. Uh, and of course, all of us have really wonderful volunteers who offer time, which is a very valuable thing for us uh, to help us uh, do even more and do better. For instance, we have a concierge service uh, where. We're a complicated, confusing building. Uh, people come in the front door, and there's a concierge with a friendly face that can sort of show you where to go. That's a volunteer. So, you know, you get the job done with marshalling all kinds of resources, not just full-time staff. And we're very fortunate to have um, a lot of part-time and volunteer folks who work with us. I love that mix of uh, of staff and volunteers in, in order to get the job done. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the rebranding. Uh, in 2014, Arts Commons began a transformation and a rebrand of identity from its prior name, the Epcor Centre for the Performing Arts. Why was this change made, and how has it influenced the perception of the organization in the Calgary community? Well, the first uh, why that was sparked, uh, uh, that sparked this rebranding was just simply that the EPCOR naming sponsorship deal expired. Uh, and so we needed to replace their name with another name or just take it off. Uh, at that time, uh, we thought we didn't particularly want to revert to be called the Calgary Center for the Performing Arts. And at that time, we, there was no other naming sponsor that was um, uh, available. And so we, we, um, we thought we had changed so much from the original Calgary Center for Performing Arts in terms of what we do and how we do it and our relationship with the community that it is beyond just being a center where we operate in all kinds of places in the city. And secondly, we're not just the performing arts anymore. We include sound art, media art, visual art, and movement, and, and, and so on in the same building. So we didn't want to only be called a performing arts center anymore. So all those reasons together gave us a great opportunity to say, so how would we describe who we've become, but who we think we want to be in future? And how does that name reflect uh, our relationship with our community? And so very simply, we decided the word arts have to be in there because in the end, we are about the arts and the wonderful uh, role that the arts can and should play in everybody's life and in the community and then commons to indicate that sort of gathering place for everybody around uh, the arts. Uh, So arts commons was a very simple way to describe our mission. And tell us about the actual process that you went through to become arts commons. What was that like? 
So the first part of the process was just arriving at, at the point that, okay, we want a different name. Uh, uh, and uh, and uh, then how do we arrive at that new name? We had, um, oh, I can't remember now exactly the number. I think we had five uh, um, uh, um, brainstorm groups, if you will, or, or community testing groups or um, uh, groups of folks that gathered in separate uh, um, uh, rooms and in separate parts of the city uh, over a period of three months. Uh, and each group had about 15 to 20 people. Um, uh, and these uh, groups were made up of a big variety of folks, so traditional art supporters, maybe some sponsors, maybe some board members, maybe some staff, maybe some resident companies, but also folks who might never have been here, folks who are younger than our typical profile in these kind of engagement meetings, and folks who represented all kinds of diversities in Calgary, uh, and maybe some politicians in every one of those four or five different focus groups. Um, and it was a very rewarding process to take them through, okay, tell us what you think when you think about the EBCOR Center and tell us what you think about when you think about this place today and what you would think about a place like this in future and what should that uh, name um, indicate. And a whole lot of input came through that uh, process that we then engaged a, a professional uh, organization in town to help us sift through all that information and, and come up with a, a series of potential names that might reflect the changing relationship between a place like ours and a city like ours. Uh, and, and, and they finally came up with, uh, between us and the board and the focus groups, uh, uh, three potential names, and we picked this one. The change can be really difficult for communities. How did different stakeholders react to this change? Well, uh, yeah, as with any change, not everybody initially said, wow, I love that name. Uh, but also, uh, really, I, I can think of two or three people that really said, I don't like that name. Most people said, oh, Arts Commons, what's that about? How did you get there? What does it mean? Tell me more about it. Um, and, the, and every single time we did engage on that, the response was always the same. The response was, oh, I get it. That's really interesting. Of course, that's what it means. And that's a really nice way to think about you and uh, that place into the future. So most um, people that we engaged with one-to-one -one, uh, responded very positively. We also did a, a community survey uh, in Calgary that we had done by an external firm to test the name before we finalized it. And again, that was by far the most common response. Um, and I and and then of course over time it's now been socialized. I think most people uh, know what the name means, why the name is what it is, and we get almost nobody anymore that that uses the old name. And certainly very very few people, if any, who who have told us that they really still do not like the name and would like another name. It's actually broken down a lot of barriers. Um, people don't have the same sort of formal associations they may have had with a, a name like Calgary Center for the Performing Arts. Uh, and it's also very, uh, um, it's, it's interesting how other organizations in the rest of uh, the U.S. have responded to our name change and have, uh, you know, asked us how we got there. And they're in, engaged in a similar process to choose a more democratic name, a more open name. You talked about why you chose a more democratic name. I'm curious to know, how has rebranding impacted audience development and growth, both in terms of new challenges and new opportunities? Well, um, 
I'll just give you one statistic that, that, that answers the question, at least from one perspective. Um, our patron-generated revenue, uh, which includes ticket sales and their donations, but, but our relationship with individuals in Calgary uh, over the last five years went from 600000 a year to $1.2 million a year. Uh, so our patron-generated revenue after our brand change has doubled. Uh, I'm not saying that's the only measure. Certainly, and other factors play a role too. But uh, our brand has certainly helped us uh, to uh, to live the reality that we feel uh, we are aiming at, which is that we are much more open, much more inclusive, uh, uh, that we are for everybody and that it's not separate from life, but that we are part of life. And I think our name and our brand is consistently showing that. Uh, you may or may not know, but the logos that we chose are also indicative of that. We have four logos, uh, and we might have a, a number five or a number six going into the future. The point about our logo is that it indicates that we are a creative organization, and therefore we don't have just one image associated with us, that we are uh, creative, artistic, evolving, organic, all of those are words that help our brand to be less exclusive uh, and and more part of life. Uh, we also have a, have attracted because of that branding wonderful sponsors that like the idea of access and and a more democratic inclusive approach. We uh, have the TD Arts Access Pass, for instance, sponsored by TD Bank, that help uh, folks who might not be able to afford. Uh, a show to take out a TD Arts Access Pass from the library and come and see a show. Um, all of those little steps um, have flowed out of our uh, brand. We also support new Canadians and new Calgarians when they arrive, immigrants, etc., to uh, come to our shows, uh, supported by TD again, uh, and to integrate in our community by having access to our cultural experiences, and they become Calgarians faster, uh, if I can put it that way. So we're really trying to reach out and become a people's lives uh, where they live and, 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 and helping them with the issues they face. That's all really wonderful and remarkable. And, and while revenue isn't always the only driver to, to have it doubled as, um, and linking that back to the rebrand, I think that's a really significant marker and milestone. I do want to talk about art spaces and artistic hubs and arts incubator spaces seem to be a growing phenomenon in Calgary. How does Arts Commons play a role in this? Well, I, you know, firstly, I think it's a good thing that it's a growing phenomenon. I think uh, the the realization that people can get together and engage in an artistic or a creative activity is not somehow just for artists or for some people, but more people can engage. Uh, we we play a role in well, obviously, being an art space ourselves and an incubator ourselves. We also offer a number of arts residencies in our. Uh, visual art space. We have two specific spaces dedicated to having short-term arts res- residencies, and you would walk through the Plus 15 and sometimes see an artist creating work uh, in the space that people walk by. Uh, and we also um, launched uh, two uh, pilot projects called ProAmp and uh, Common Space, uh, and uh, both are uh, short-term residencies or short-term programs helping emerging artists or, or emerging groups find uh, space easily and also uh, are given some basic uh, access to 
um, our speciality that we have in areas such as project planning or or lighting uh, or technical areas on stage. Uh, we have so much expertise in this building that we're beginning to find ways to engage with emerging artists, but also just folks who are interested in that uh, can go online and enroll in these free programs, which are now unfortunately both <laughs> sold out, as it were, uh, fully subscribed, I should say. Uh, but we will it's a it's a pilot project and we will do it again and once we see how it works and we'll uh, learn how to do it better but we're really interested in providing that sort of art space and incubator and hub space for folks we also have two um, arts education spaces one by the way is called the hub for inspired learning uh, where we uh, we're one of the um, the, the, the spaces where uh, campus Calgary uh, run uh, the Campus Calgary School Project. So we have 22 weeks of school in those two spaces in our building. Uh, so we're finding all ways possible to have not just uh, grown-ups, but, uh, but, but, but young, young students uh, in our building uh, to animate our space. It sounds like you're making the most of every square inch of, of the vast space that you have. Um, you mentioned that you didn't really see other incubator spaces so much as competition. Do you feel that there's room for everyone? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Calgary, uh, since since the Arts Commons uh, facility was opened uh, 33 years ago, Calgary has doubled in size, and uh, we have not doubled the number of, of uh, either seats available or square footage available in these kinds of spaces in Calgary over the same period. So clearly there's um, room for more, and most of the folks who came in the last 30 years are folks who came from all kinds of interesting places and have changed the way Calgarians look and feel about themselves and have brought ambitions and dreams with them that have to be accommodated somewhere because we all benefit from being exposed to those ambitions and dreams. And so I think the more hubs or incubating spaces or performance spaces or whatever gathering spaces we might imagine, uh, the more of that, the better. Uh, we all we all um, create a new creative and imaginative uh, Calgary by exposing ourselves to each other's dreams in spaces like this. Now, arts managers need to maintain their facilities to ensure long-term sustainability for their organizations. And the Jack Singer Concert Hall recently underwent some renovations. How does the patron experience influence the choice for what kind of physical improvements are made to the building? Well, yeah, uh, managing this facility is a is a prime job as a landlord, of course, uh, and uh, it works. The building works really hard. So uh, over time, we have to do bigger and bigger projects to maintain that kind of standard. These are prime venues, and we pride ourselves of maintaining standards that uh, should be associated with prime venues. Um, and so the seat replacement in the Jackson Concert Hall was just the completion of a seating project in all the theaters and all the spaces in Arts Commons that have now been replaced. And it, it, it really does start with the patron experience. It's all about providing the patron with the best experience they can have. Uh, and so it's the seating replacement was a sort of a visible project. But uh, to give you another example, we're replacing our boilers this year and we're replacing our main electric switch, neither of which any audience member would ever see. But if any one of those two things do not work, the experience would be not just subpar, it'll be terrible. Uh, so we spend a lot of time and effort um, making sure the 
sort of cosmetic elements and the, and the visible elements are upgraded, but also the, the mechanical and the electrical and all the other technical elements behind the scenes to make sure that when patrons come in, they really have only the best experience possible. Uh, and so, yes, the patron remains our prime driver for doing any of these things. That's an excellent point. So many things that make the experience a comfortable and a good experience are those behind the scenes things that perhaps we don't really think about until the heat goes out and, and we're exactly. cold. Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned many of the gallery spaces that are, are housed within Arts Commons. Can you tell us a bit more about the galleries that call Arts Commons home? It's one of those other invisible, I think, um, uh, collaboration uh, uh, collaborations that we engage with and are very uh, proud to engage with. We we engage with something like ten different arts organizations uh, to curate and help us curate some of the gallery spaces and window spaces we have. For instance, the Alberta Craft Council, the Alberta Printmaker Society, the Marion Nichol Gallery, the New Gallery, the Stride Gallery, the Tiny Gallery, all University of Calgary Faculty of Art, um, all of these organizations and others um, work with our in-house um, curator uh, to rotate the exhibitions in, in, in the 15-plus galleries that we have all around this building. All these artists are given um, a professional treatment. They are given exposure. We help them look the best, sound the best uh, that they can be. And many of them have told us that uh, their moment, their moment in time in, in Arts Commons was, uh, you know, the, in, an important step in the rest of their career. It helped them launch a, a, a professional career. Uh, and it exposed them to to folks that they otherwise might not have um, had a chance to be exposed to. So we really enjoy the idea that it's good for them, but we also enjoy the fact that it's really good for us to have incredible talent being uh, ex- exhibited all throughout the building, which animates our building in a beautiful way. It's always interesting to walk around here. Uh, there's always something new to see, and just before you get tired of it, it changes, and another art uh, art installation happens. So we have other partners too uh, that we partner a lot with. We partner with Nuit Blanche, we partner with Paper Girl and with Art City and with City of Calgary Public Art Studio C, Yukon Art Center, etc. Lots of other partners in this effort to, uh, you know, have an all-encompassing uh, experience for uh, folks who walk, who walk through the building. That's a great segue into my next question, which is all about synergies. And Mm. I'm wondering about collaborations. Are there collaborations taking place as a result of organizations being housed under the same roof? Well, uh, collaborations do happen much easier if if you're uh, under the same umbrella. Uh, We collaborate a lot with our resident companies. I would say a year doesn't go by when we have done or are doing some kind of a collaboration with at least one of the six resident companies. Uh, and it's much easier, much more organic to do it uh, internally, but we also do it externally. We, we collaborate with any number of external organizations from time to time, Beakerhead, National Music Center, what, you know, all kinds of the, the public library, uh, the uh, Calgary uh, organization for uh, newcomers in Calgary, for the Mexican consulate, etc., etc. So we find these partners who share one ambition, and that's to make Calgary a better place in whichever way they do it. And if there's a way we can collaborate with them, either by them being in our facility or us helping them with resources outside of the building, 
um, we love those moments, and they're and 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 uh, sometimes they're one-off. Sometimes they happen annually. Uh, it's organic. We figure out what's the best for both partners, and if it's a mutual benefit, uh, then we keep doing it. Uh, so we're always looking for new ways to collaborate, and uh, I, I don't think we'll ever be done. <laughs> That's great. Now, some of our listeners will find themselves managing an arts facility at some point in their career. What advice do you have for them? Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's 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 probably the, the 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 most challenging type of job in the arts you can imagine because you the 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 the, the range of uh, professional expertise required of an arts manager. Uh, is really quite staggering all the way from you know having the ability to do a budget and and manage finances and all the way to knowing how to market and get people to come to your facility and enjoy what you do and uh, you know just simply managing the wide range of artists and technicians and staff members and so on and so the range of expertise required from uh, from this kind of job is is really quite staggering and that makes it phenomenally interesting and and never a dull moment. And and if you're a life learner, this is the kind of job to do, uh, because there's always um, something new and something exciting uh, to to learn. Uh, and I and I think in the end, um, it's really important for folks who want to get into this business is to understand that it's also a business, uh, as to understand that nobody owes you a living, uh, and to work uh, towards earning people's trust and earning. Uh, people's support. Uh, it doesn't come automatically, and one should never take it for granted. But my goodness, if you hit the sweet spot and you get enough support from community because they care about what you do and they connect with your values and your impact uh, and that that connects with their values, there's just no better job to do uh, than connecting with community in this way and getting out of the way and putting the arts and community together. Wonderful. Well, before we wrap up, I'd like to circle back to you personally. How has leading the transformation of this organization personally impacted you? And what advice do you have for future leaders about leading transformational initiatives? Well, I hope, as you can hear, I love my job and I really enjoy doing it. And I feel incredibly privileged by being surrounded by uh, incredible staff and very supportive board members and a great community and funders. So clearly the impact that it's having on me personally is positive. I can only say that and be thankful and grateful that I am in this chair um, and will enjoy it for as long as they'll have me. Uh, But in terms of advice for transformative uh, moments I, I have in my career only ever started or fixed or changed organizations uh, and it seems to be the thing I'm attracted to um, and I think uh, to be bold enough and confident enough about what it is that you want to achieve uh, as you transform an organization or a program is important and not to be uh, you know uh, full of doubt that doesn't mean you you come in and, and you're a bull in a china store and break everything, uh, but to respectfully change and slowly change towards uh, what you consider to be a, a different and better reality um, is a process that takes time. And uh, I think one of the biggest obstacles to that kind of change is, is a, a successful past. Uh, folks would say, yeah, but we used to do it this way or it used to work this way. And one has to respect and understand that that perspective is a is a valid perspective, 
uh, and, and, and then to offer uh, a future that might look better or, or, or more interesting or, or more viable uh, is important for the, the leader in that moment. Um, uh, that moment is often catalyzed by a crisis, uh, and it's kind of sad that we sometimes have to wait until something breaks before we think it's necessary to fix it. But in our organization, we, we often say that uh, we've learned not to waste a good crisis. Um, sometimes it does take a crisis to transform or be willing to change. Uh, and and uh, and that would be an opportunity to then introduce a, a new reality. But it's important not to do these things just based on gut. Uh, gut is really important, but it should be supported by facts. And so in order to sustain any kind of a transformation, you've got to have your facts right. You've got to really look at the business side of things. And all of those are things that I think um, the team that I work with have become incredibly good at. And so it's just great to work uh, in this moment with this team. Johan, this has been a, a great conversation. Is there anything else you would like to add to our conversation today before we wrap up? No, I think you have covered uh, what uh, it takes to be here. <laughs> I think one of the things that we, uh, in, in, in addition to our, our mission, we've spent quite a lot of time identifying our operating values, and, and they're very important to us, and we live them every day. And I think that's important, too, for anybody wanting to put their foot into this. Our values are very simple to be open and to do the right thing and to be our best. Uh, and there's so much in there that we live every day and try to live every day. And so I would just uh, just um, remind myself and anybody interested in this work that uh, in the end, you've got to make sure it lines up with your values and the values of the community you serve and uh, that you serve at your community's pleasure. So uh, that's what we're about. Well, on behalf of McEwen University, I'd like to thank you so much for joining me today and for having this conversation. Oh, you're welcome. Wonderful. All right, it's Katrina and Annetta here, and Johan Zietzman, what an interesting guy, huh? Oh, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So he took over the helm of the organization before it became Arts Commons, and he led uh, the organization through the whole rebrand, and yeah. it was really interesting to chat with him about just the challenges inherent in, in going through a rebrand of a, a major organization located in the downtown of Calgary. Yeah, I thought it was really, really interesting, and what a smart guy. Um, one of the things I really thought was interesting was that it, it's downtown and that people go through it a lot to catch trains or trams and things like that and that they really embrace that and when the way they remodeled it and the way they've even thought about the rebranding and even how they do stuff in the space. I think it's really clever the way they've done that. Absolutely. Um, it was really interesting to note that it's one of the largest arts incubators in all of Canada and it's really hard not to engage with it for the reasons that you just yeah. said. You really just encounter it as you're going about your business in downtown Calgary and one of the things I like is that they're really trying to create opportunities for people to interact with the space. He talked about doing the event in the garage, in the parking garage, yeah. which I thought was super unique. Yes. Um, and just the volume of events that they're doing uh, at that space is really quite impressive. Yeah. And I think his talk really kind of engaged you at such a level you want to go, what are they doing? And I'll, how do I get to be part of it? 
Yeah, yeah. And it was also great to hear that he feels that there's room for more arts incubators in Calgary. He doesn't feel at all in competition with some of yeah. these other organizations that essentially there's there's room for everyone to play. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, yeah. It was a really wonderful interview. This show was created by executive producer Annetta Latham, producer Katrina Ingram, technical producer Paul Johnston, research assistant Raelle Lockwood, theme music by Emily Defour and cover art by Constanza Pasher. Artful Conversations is a production of McEwen University, all rights reserved.